Sad day in rock and roll. Tina Turner has left the building. Hello, everybody. Welcome to What's the Buzz Popcast, America's Popcast. Tonight, a very, very special Wednesday night episode. I'm the Mad Dog, Angelo DeCipio, joined tonight by a very, very special guest. He's a lawyer, folks. We got a big one. We got a big one. His name is Joe Kahn, and he is the president of a group called FIRE. And what does FIRE stand for? It is the foundation for individual rights and expression. I think I've got that right, Joe. You, you did. Um, I will make one small correction. I'm our yes, legislative sir. and policy director, not our president. Oh, okay. Policy director. Sorry about that. And I no, should know because it says it right there. <laughs> it says it right there. Joe is the legislative and policy director of FIRE, a nonpartisan nonprofit.org, focusing on the higher ed civil liberties and free expression for society at large. And boy, did he come to the right place tonight. Joe, let's talk a little bit about your background. Tell me that you're a Penn grad, Penn, a Penn Law School. Guilty as charged. And, and first of all, thank you so much, Angelo, for having me today. You're quite welcome, my friend. Anytime. This is a, a very important issue. As I spoke to you last night a little bit, kind of getting to know you, uh, this is probably one of the most important shows I'll do with regard to free speech. It is becoming ever so cumbersome to speak your mind anymore without, in some cases, without being arrested. And you're actually going to see instances tonight of people who are arrested for speaking their mind in America. Yes, it happens. And it happens daily, folks. And the guy that's going to walk us through this quagmire is Joe Kahn, and he's the man. Uh, you guys are in, boy, talk about a, a group that's all over the place. You guys are all over the country, and and I'm, I'm being told from well-placed sources that you're in court all the time. Well, fire is very busy, and, you know, and importantly so. I know we're going to talk about this quite a bit tonight, but the number of threats to free speech across the country are mounting, and the First Amendment doesn't defend itself. It needs powerful advocates to fight for free expression wherever it's threatened, and that's sometimes in courts of law where some of my colleagues you know, lead the charge, and sometimes it's in the halls of state legislatures or in Congress where my government relations team at fire does its work. Yeah. So we're, we're really pleased to be here. And I really appreciate the kind words about fire. I, I am honored to have you guys here. Uh, I will tell everyone in the interest of full disclosure, when I reached out to fire, they did not in any way, shape or form hesitate to say, yeah, we'll do it. Uh, even to the point where I had a woman commit to Joe's appearance before Joe said yes. (laughs) 
So, and that's absolutely true. <laughs> you don't know it yet. Well, you just found out. Um, one of the things that I face being a broadcaster, and I've done television, radio, and now, of course, you know, radio still, but in a different form. This is podcast radio. But we're seen and heard in more than 3,000 platforms worldwide. In some of those territories and countries, I am heavily censored. And in others, they can't get enough of what I say. I'm honored by that, but I'm even more dismayed than I am honored that we still live in a world where they have to, you know, kind of shortcut what you say. Um, it's like saying, you know, the chicken crossed the road and then going just from the chicken to the road, you know? And, you, you know, oh. you leave the cold cross the out. You know, yeah, so well, that happens. I'm absolutely sure it does. And the thing to remember is that censorship has been with us since the first person's been able to speak. Yeah, and I promise right. you, since the first person uttered their first words, I bet there was someone else who wishes they would have shut up and who was willing to turn to someone more powerful to try to make them shut up. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe some of your listeners wish i would shut up <laughs> we'll no find out. We'll find i encourage you joe you can speak all you want i joke i, I uh, highly but, uh, encourage you but the, the point is that it's a problem as old as time yeah and free speech as a notion as a value as a locked in right is relatively new for human existence and america has the strongest free speech legal protections there are, but across the entire world, we also have to fight not just the legal battles, but yeah. the cultural waves that push against. Uh, and therein you segued beautifully into my first area. And this is kind of a quagmire. As you so brilliantly point out, we lead the way in free speech problem i see and i see it in media and i see it uh watching broadcast news and i i hear it and i hear testimonials from people i know overseas the problem is that we're no longer the leader we're the follower and that therein lies the quagmire we're we are almost assimilating into other people's notion of free speech I want to define, and I, I have to have you help me here. I want to define for people the difference, Joe, both philosophically and legally between the term free speech and freedom of speech. What's the difference fundamentally? I, I don't know that there is a difference there, uh, or at least not one that I have discerned. But I will say, you know, that really what we want to think about is, as I framed a moment ago, there are legal protections for free speech, and then there are cultural norms that hold it up, because you can't take everything to court. Yeah. You know, as, one, as one particular limitation on just relying on the law, but also because when you lose a culture, when the culture stops appreciating it, mm -hmm you eventually populate the courtrooms with 
lawyers and judges who don't appreciate it either. So that, that's a great point. And, and continue because I have a bunch of questions about that. So it's really important that we think through the legal battles are in front of us and yeah. win the free speech cases in court with the existing you know, legal precedents and building upon them, but also teaching our citizenry the hygiene of free expression. And by that, what I mean are good habits. And, and, and the good habits that I want everyone to understand are that free speech either works for everyone or it works for no one. And while it's okay that we all have, and all of us have them, our blind spots on areas of expression that we think maybe shouldn't be protected, even though the courts say it is, for yeah. whatever reason, we need to foster the instinct to check the, to check our gut impressions, our biases, and at least look over our shoulders, check our mirrors and say, is there a reason why maybe my adversaries here do need to be able to speak their mind? And this yeah. is really the fundamental principle that I'll be talking about a lot tonight in different ways, consistently. Yeah, and, and, and thankfully that you are. Uh, I have, I've got a question regarding fundamental essential speech in general. Where does, first of all, let me, let me um, qualify my, my statement by saying in recent years, in the last probably eight to ten years, we're hearing a term that we've not heard before called hate speech. We've never heard the term used so universally and so freely, the term hate speech. Here's my question. When does one's freedom of expression turn into hate speech and who is responsible for that? Is it the individual or the individual being spoken to or or does it not matter at that point? And and who determines what is hate speech for me as opposed to what's hate speech for someone else? Well, what's interesting about that is that it's a misconception that there is a category, a legal category of speech called hate speech. There isn't one. And the Supreme Court has repeatedly, and, and I mean repeatedly, rejected creating one, pointing out that it's subjective, as your question is implying. Yeah. And over and over and over again, the court points out that offensiveness, that something is deemed hateful by some people in society is just not sufficient enough to remove its protection. And that's why yeah. in Texas versus Johnson, the Supreme court says you can burn the American flag, even though that, uh, even though that uh, offends many, many people, uh, it's why not yeah. all uh, ordinances that prohibit burning crosses are constitutional. Joe, can I interject a question in that? Cause you're going into Uncharted territory for a lot of newbies, um, particularly people who watch this show. I've got a question regarding burning the flag and crosses and and uh, any number of patriotic or religious symbology. You're actually going to see something tonight. But I've got a question. Since when is burning the U.S. flag 
considered hate speech. I've call, I've actually heard it called hate speech on mainstream media. Yeah, I mean, again, if we just set aside the term itself for a moment, since that's just a label that people apply to the speech mm -hmm. that they don't like because it's offensive, we set aside the, the term and yeah. just think through conceptually that, you know, that people burn flags for a number of reasons and protest, but also in anger uh, and, and sometimes and sometimes in, you know, in direct criticism. And it could be that someone burns a flag because they hate America and everything that it stands for. OK, but Joe, that's doesn't one that... of the reasons why. But but the but the but the Supreme Court has decided, and I think rightfully so, that the First Amendment doesn't allow us to prohibit people from doing that as upsetting as it is to many viewers, including yeah. military folks who have, you know, who've risked yeah. their lives to defend our freedoms, that we don't yeah. set aside the right to criticize even yeah. harshly our government to protect. And that, that, that's freedom. precisely what I was going to ask you. Since when does anyone have the right to stifle your, your right to free expression? Is that not a form of expression, burning the flag, certainly expressing either contempt for it, anger for it, or frustration with the military, uh, whomever the, the case may be. Isn't it all the right to express? Right. I mean, isn't that what fire was founded upon? I, I, I think so. I mean, the key here is that if we live in a sanitized society where criticisms have to be benign, where they have to be at a monotone tone to avoid offending mm -hmm. people, you prevent yourself from being in a society where people can be stirred to anger and change. Yeah. And that's why, you know, there's a famous Supreme Court case where a young man at the time wore a jacket into uh, a courthouse that said F the draft. And I don't know if you want me to say the full word on your show. You, or you not. can. We have full okay. autonomy here. We can say the, what we the, want. The jacket said, fuck the draft on it. Fuck the draft. And, yep. and I know exactly was, what you're talking about. And he was, you know, prosecuted uh, uh, for wearing that, that jacket. And the Supreme Court tossed the conviction. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's important to remember that you know, he could have worn a jacket that said, yeah. I dislike the draft or the draft is a bad idea. But yeah. had he done that, no one in the country would have been talking about it. No one would have <laughs> been it, thinking and about it. Not and not only that, Joe, but I would suggest that he would not have been exercising his free right to expression as he so chose. Right. And, and he could have chosen to express it in that more benign way. But mm -hmm. sometimes the shock value is what brings yeah. the audience. And sometimes shock value will lose your audience. But yeah. as an individual person, you get to make that decision for yourself. The government doesn't get to make it for you. And that's one and of the And therein lies what I deal with, Joe, every day. I want you to take a look at a, a compilation of a few mainstream news clips, as some from social media, uh, the one, the, the first one is actually very interesting. Check this out.
it says we have freedom of speech. Now, isn't that interesting? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, we don't protect words and speech because we think it can't be hurtful, because right. we think it's powerless. We protect it for the exact opposite reason, because yes, because it is powerful and because we need it in order to be able to have a society where we can evolve Absolutely. and we can change. That's not to say that it's improper or invalid for anyone to you know, condemn someone else's speech, Absolutely. to criticize it, to, oh, you know, to, uh, to, to find that it's offensive. Mm -hmm. The problem isn't when someone finds something as offensive. The problem is when they decide that their offensiveness is sufficient to silence or punish someone's expression with some mm -hmm. very narrow uh, exceptions. You know, if yeah. you have a company and your spokesperson sure. goes out there and insults your, you know, your audience or mm -hmm. your, all of your customers, even though they do it with words and you want yeah. to fire them, um, that's, you know, that's not protected by the first amendment, yeah. but, you know, we yeah. live in a culture where we're broadening the scope where we want to, what's called now cancel culture, yeah. destroy people for saying things that are offensive. And I don't know that it's healthy for a janitor to be unable to speak their mind, even if what they say is foolish and obnoxious and yeah. worthy of criticism. I don't know that we need to go to the point of destroying anyone who steps out yeah. of an increasing oh, and that's never been... of, of rules. It's interesting you bring that up. Um, people like myself, people like Howard Stern, people who speak for a living risk offending nearly everyone at some point because of what we say or what we believe or in some cases what we believe we say. Um, the problem is people are so quick to jump and it's a very small group of people, a small but loud group of people who do the jumping while the rest of them sit back and laugh at those doing the jumping. You know, there's a term, I love this term. There's a term in social media uh, uh, called a Karen. A Karen is a woman by her her virtue um, of complaining, um, bitching and moaning, griping at every little, you know, nuance that, that comes down the road. She is a, a hateful individual, this Karen, okay? And there's a lot of Karens running around. But yet you won't hear anyone combat the Karen or neutralize the Karen. They'll, they almost look at that as if it were just some kook. But that kook is allowed to say what she wants and get away with it. While on the other hand, if I say something defending my position on TikTok, I get... The, banned for three or four days let's well, take think, a look at this let's, sure. we're going to talk about this you're ready after this clip let's take a look at this okay people are dying people are having to migrate biden says that he cares about migration but all he has done is follow the same policies the trump administration implemented 
on migration, not just on Cuba, but the rest of Latin America. People are having to take dangerous, dangerous trips to seek safety. Issue. As soon as you shut up hate speech, those people only get more powerful. And this is the unintended consequence of censorship. You give more credence to the silenced person the moment you shut them up, because then they can play the victim. And they say, they're trying to shut me up because I have something that everyone else wants, and I'm a threat to them. No, you're not. You're just a fool. And those people have too much power. And so the minute that you start to enforce speech laws, like they do in Europe, based on specific political opinions, regardless of how reprehensible they are, then you actually give credence to them. This is why in Germany, where they do not allow swastikas, they do not allow Nazi paraphernalia, their white nationalist awful movement is actually gaining traction because it has like a rebellious underbelly. No, no, no. Let me be very clear. Bring your bad ideas publicly so decent people can cross-examine you, so we can see who you are, we can talk to you and convince the public otherwise. This is a hard argument for some young people to hear, because they're like, it's so hateful, it's so awful, it's, it deteriorates our country. No, no, no. Those ideas, if they spread, deteriorate our country. But good people will speak in opposition to them. And that's why I'm a big believer, I'm a free speech absolutist, through and through. Can you point? Let's talk about those clips, Joe, that we just saw. The first one we saw, a kind of a silent video with, Someone attempting to burn the Israeli flag, um, a Bible, Torah. But then it says that nobody reacted when the woman had the lighter to the Bible. Okay. But when she had the lighter to the Israeli flag, oh, anti-Semitic. Okay. But it's but it's okay to burn a Bible. Well, Christians don't matter, I guess, in some circles. Well, I mean, I think it, as a matter of law, there's no distinction here in the United States between any of those acts, and they're all protected. Mm -hmm. In terms of when people are offended and who's not, that really has much more to do with political organizing mm -hmm. and people's sensitivities yeah. than it does with anything legal now it's all protected here in the united states but we have the rest of the world as charlie kirk in the second clip pointed out enforces blasphemy laws uh try to silence dissenters um and that never goes well i mean i think i agreed with everything that charlie kirk said in that in that clip uh those mm -hmm. are actually uh common fire talking points for 20 years now uh, yeah. every one of every one of the things that he you know that he said there um, and it's important to understand that, you know, that's called the Streisand effect that when you try to yeah. silence someone, you actually make it more attractive to people who are curious about what are you hiding from? And, exactly. and I think it, it makes me kind of think back to an old quote from justice Hugo black from the 1960s um, where I think it was 1961 where he said, we must not be afraid to be free. And that's not to say that every idea that's expressed yeah. is worth cheering and not worth condemning, but I think Charlie Kirk was right. Uh, I've said it a number of times myself. We're much better off to having those arguments out there in the world. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm Jewish, and if there's a Nazi in the room, I'd rather know it. And if you start doing Absolutely. Censorship, if you start doing censorship of Holocaust denial sure. or 
you know, anything else. People don't stop being anti-Semitic. People don't no. stop being bigots because they're censored. They start only yeah. talking to each other, to places where they think they're going to gain acceptance rather than condemnation. Yeah. And then those views solidify, they harden, and yeah. become more extreme. So I think you know, shedding sunlight is the far better approach to combating all forms of bigotry, yeah. regardless of their sources. By the way, Joe, you're, you're, you're speaking to a guy who has been called, openly had been called anti-Semitic. Uh, and I'm going to tell you why and how. I had a director, a film director on my show. He directed a movie called When Jews Were Funny. Okay. His name is Alan Weiss. He's Jewish. Imagine that. Okay. A, a Jewish film director making a film about Jews called When Jews Were Funny. And I had him on talking about his film. Do you know the Jewish community was up in arms over Alan and I talking about Jews in, in the manner in which we were? And some were derogatory. Some were in great loving, you know, memory of people that are no longer here. And, but most were talking about people who made us laugh from this big I remember people like Hannah Youngman and Mort Saul and uh, uh, Fat Jackie Leonard and people like that. And, uh, and you're either, if you're not Jewish or Italian, you don't know who those people were. Because the only people that, that uh, frequented the Borscht Belt, uh, you know, resorts up there were either Jews or Italians. And there's a great similarity, a great camaraderie between the Italians and Jews. Always has been. Talk to me about uh, I want to go back to what you said. I uh, was talking about Charlie, because uh, I love Charlie Kirk. Uh, I want to talk about the key points of Charlie's little dissertation, giving strength to those who keep quiet. By keeping quiet, you're giving strength to those who spout off, like, like my proverbial Karen I spoke about. So let's talk about that. How do we combat the Karens of the world? How do we, uh, how do we fight back? How do we articulate in such a manner that we are not deemed the villain in that situation? Well, I think the first step is to really be self-critical. And by that, what I mean is it's easy and really easy to criticize people who are trying to censor those with whom we agree. No one mm -hmm. likes the points that they wish to make to be silenced. Sure. It's very hard to defend the speech of people you disagree with, with the same intensity. So I think the first thing is to restore sanity. We all need to be principled. And yeah. that difficult work is what makes free speech either successful and reality or illusory. Yeah. I have always said, and, and I will maintain this, I may not agree with you, but I will defend to the death your right to say what you want to say, do what you want to do, and be who you want to be. There are a yeah, lot of people there. I don't like. I've, ha I've had them on my show, and... To, to everyone's credit, you know, humbly I say, to mine as well, 
I can have civil conversations with people I don't like under this circumstance. Out on the street, it might be a different story. We may raise our voices. We may get animated. But here in this particular format, I can speak on a level with with my you know, detractors. I'll call them. That. I don't want like to use the word enemy because I really don't have any enemies. I have detractors. You know. But so, one of the things. Sorry, yeah, go I don't ahead, mean to Joe. cut you off. Go on. Say again, please. I was gonna say I didn't mean to cut you off. Go on, please. No, no, no. You're 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 fine. Because I well, think you're one, gonna go right where I was. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we should keep in mind is that each one of us is better than our worst moment. I like that. And whether it's something that we see viral on TikTok mm -hmm. or on some other platform, there are times in which someone engages in behavior that might be worth criticizing, but the instinct to destroy mm -hmm. is something else. Absolutely. And that's part of the sanity that we need to restore is learning how to criticize within perspective. Now, I want to be careful about this for, for just a moment. Yeah. The First mm -hmm. Amendment allows us to criticize, you know, aggressively, allows us to demand that someone is fired, allows us, you know, to be illiberal at times. Uh, and that's a good thing. That the that's law an interesting allows us, statement. allows us to do that. But as that's an interesting statement, Joe. <laughs> I have to tell as you. Individuals, we should sometimes try not to do that. Yeah. That's the difference between what you're allowed to do and what's good for us to do. And I love the way you say that. You kind of weave it in there. It, it allows us to be liberal from time to time. Illiberal. <laughs> allow, allow, allows us to demand someone's you know, head roll because yeah. they say something we think is asinine. Yeah, you know, oh, sure. I sure. mean, it it, it 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 happens, and you're not a free society if you can't yeah. you know, make those kinds of demands and weigh in on mm -hmm. a public controversy in that way. But yeah. as a society, I think it's fair to question whether or not it's healthy that that's our growing instinct. Oh, God, absolutely. That the, that the polarization is having us retreat to our corners. So I'm going to repeatedly throughout this interview – ask all of our listeners to when they have your, their own instincts to do that. Yeah. To join that mob to say, Hmm, even though I really hate this, maybe yeah. we're better off in a society where people can succeed in businesses, even if their politics is different from my own. Amazing. You know, maybe we're better off as a society when we use these things as teaching moments and where the teaching isn't, just off with their heads as a deterrent, but teaching yeah. conversation and trying to have better understanding of each other's values. You cannot have that as a society without a culture that accepts free expression. We're going to have that discussion right after this commercial break. Uh, I want to have that off with your heads conversation. But there's a lot of people um, <laughs> that are chopping block crazy these days. And I'm going to give you some examples of it right after this break. Sit back and enjoy a word from our sponsor at Shopify. Just wanted to start a business when something surprising happens. Today, I'm going to teach you how to crochet. She started crocheting like a lot. And her friends noticed. 
Jess, you need to sell those. So she signed up for Shopify and started building her business. Yes, I love that. And after a lot of hard work, this happened. Oh my gosh, I just made my first sale! You see, every day, hundreds of businesses get their first sale on Shopify. We got a ding! And the next could be you. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life and become your own boss, build it on Shopify. We are back with America's podcast. I am the Mad Dog Angelo DeCipio, joined by Joe Kahn. He is a First Amendment attorney, and he is with the group FIRE. It is the foundation for individual right. Uh, I'm going to get it right. Hold on. Individual rights and expression. I will get that. I got it again, Joe. I didn't forget. <laughs> Welcome back, Joe. Thank you for having me. Okay, when last we left off, we were talking about uh, those that are quick to chop heads. Um, let's take a look at some examples right now. Every single country that has restricted I'm sorry, speech has I done better. I simply ask you for the source. Okay. Can you give me the source Nazi Germany, Soviet Russia, Castro, uh, Che Guevara regimes, current UK, Canada, Maoist China. Need I go on? Absolutely. You said every country. <laughs> every <laughs> single country that has limited freedom of speech has resulted in a net loss. So please give me an actual citation to back up your claim. You would say that it, Nazi Germany, Soviet Russia, Maoist China, Che Guevara, Castro well, actually, regimes. And I can't go through every single country. I'm just asking you to give me a scholarly source that says that. I don't have a scholarly source with me right now saying that Nazi Germany is worse off with speech laws in the United and States. So what I said You're just going to take my word for it. And exactly what I said was there are plenty of examples where it doesn't work. You're absolutely right. I don't disagree can with that at all. Can you point me to any example where it has? we can possibly get to the point where it can work. And we need to keep trying. That doesn't mean One. because it hasn't worked, One. we don't give up. One. One country that has better net results for human freedom and human rights by restricting speech. What's your source? One. I'm honestly going to say we're not there yet. Thank okay. We're not there yet. That was the end result. The, the sum total of his commentary was, we're not there yet. But he was willing to stand there and make an argument based on no knowledge, no experience, no expertise. Yet he stood there with somebody who clearly had all his shit together, his facts straight, and who knew what he was talking about. How long, Joe Con? how long are we going to continue this ridiculous exchange to show our intellect or the lack thereof well unfortunately i think the, the answer to your question is forever there's never <laughs> going to be a time in which the instinct to censor is going to you know subside there's okay. never going to be a time where people don't think that they have the wisdom to be the emperor who will decide where the precise lines on expression should be drawn unilaterally because everyone thinks that if they were the fifth deciding vote on a Supreme court, that they would, you know, allow the speech that should be allowed and forbid the speech that should be forbidden. And they would do it perfectly without error. And the truth of the matter is that none of us uh, possess that kind of wisdom. And, those arguments will be us will be with us sorry till the end of time yeah and that's why defending free speech all of the time every day is so important the vigilance is necessary and you know 
the challenge is to defend it when it's your team, when it's your side of the political spectrum that is doing it. That's what makes the difference between someone who believes in free speech and likes giving empty gestures towards it. Uh, let me, I want to talk to you about the, uh, the almost slip. It's a slippery slope anyway. The almost slippery slope that uh, institutes of education face, uh, high schools, even in some cases, grammar schools, high schools for sure, colleges, um, what you can and cannot bring to school, what you can and cannot wear, what you can and cannot say. Um Make the argument for somebody who walks into class with an FUT shirt um, looking like yesterday's garbage. He knows his shit. He's got his stuff together. He just happens to look like a, a guy who slept in the in the alley last night. Um, well, make, how do we make that argument? Well, let me start by saying that the case law is very different with respect to what free speech rights students have in the K-12 setting and the rights that they have in college where the First Amendment applies in full force. At least it has since 1957, a case called okay. Healy v. James establishes that, and then there are case after case after case with the Supreme Court. And Joe, what, what constitutes the differential between the, the high school level and the college level? What is that particular parameter that sets the cap there? Well, I think the key reason why it's treated differently is because anyone who is enrolled in college is there voluntarily. And, you know, you're choosing to go to college, whereas you have a captive audience in K-12. And, and if there's a second, Interesting. you know, key, you know, factor, you're talking about hmm. not only a captive audience, but a captive audience of minors. So when you're in yeah. a public school setting, you are not trying to pursue all world knowledge and challenge and try to meet, make new discovery. Yeah. What we're trying to do as a society is make sure that our youth are trained with the skill set that they will need to be able to make it through the world. And we have a set curriculum that for mm -hmm. better or worse, the government gets to decide mm -hmm. what it wants to have taught, not with, yeah. you know, unlimited uh, discretion, but near unlimited uh, discretion because the school is in loco parentis mm -hmm. again with a captive audience of minors. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. not the case at all uh, with college. That yeah. being said, the Supreme court has weighed in and said mm -hmm. famously in uh, a case called Tinker versus uh, Des Moines, Iowa school district. They're talking about in that case, students in K 12s, free expression rights Vietnam era case where the court tells Mary Beth Tinker and her brother, David Tinker mm -hmm. and one of their friends, two of their friends uh, that uh, that you do not check your constitutional rights at the schoolhouse gates, that you have some ability to express yourself even in the K-12 setting. And there you have junior high kids who wanted to wear black armbands to silently protest the Vietnam war. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and the court talks about the fact that unless it creates a substantial disruption, young people in that setting have the right to have some expressive rights. Now, since that time, courts have, 
you know, rolled back uh, many speech protections for K-12 students, allowing mm-hmm. greater control uh, for schools. Uh, you have Morse v. Frederick, where the Supreme Court says that the school could punish a student for having a sign that said bong mm-hmm. hits for Jesus because of its pro drug message could be disruptive yeah. at school. We had that, that sign across the street from the school. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, you have you know other case law, you know, that says that the school can screen and uh, censor through prior restraint. What, K-12 students can write in school-sponsored student newspapers in a way that they can't for adults in mainstream media. And then there's, so there's a series of cases where the court has narrowed down students' free expression rights. But then you have a case uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, a case called Mahanoy coming out of uh, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. where a cheerleader you know, criticized uh, the school's coach after hours on social media and was removed from the team. And the question was, do schools have 24-7 control over what a student says and can they be punished for their, you know, criticisms and expressions mm. after hours? And the court says, no, there has to be limitation on uh, on a school's authority. So it's complicated because they don't have full free speech rights, but they certainly have important free speech rights i have a question right along those lines that deals with a gentleman that i knew who was hired by saturday night live to be a new cast member now he said something get this this is true he said something four years prior that may have been disparaging to a particular ethnic group okay But he did it in the confines of a stand-up comedy club as he was doing comedy. And it was funny material, and nobody was offended by it, seemingly anyway. So he gets hired by Saturday Night Live before he ever gets the chance to set foot in the building. He's fired because his routine came to light. And the producer of the show, Lauren Michaels, who happens to be Jewish, was, as he said, egregiously offended by the anti-Semitic remarks of the, by the way, from a comedian who's Jewish. Okay, I want to talk about that, too. So you just laid out a scenario by which someone after hours said something to someone else after hours. And it's, of course, not a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week deal, but neither is Saturday Night Live. It's once a week. Where do we draw the line there? You, you're going to take something that somebody said four, almost five years prior that has no bearing on you, and you're going to make a case for it? Isn't that reaching? By the way, NBC got away with it. Well, I think a key distinction here is that the school was a public school. So the First Amendment applies to the government. So the government can't censor speech. Actually, it says Congress. But then over the years, uh, the 14th Amendment 
extends the free speech protections, not just from Congress itself passing laws, but to all other government entities and schools, public institutions are, you know, government entities. Saturday Night Live isn't though. So the First Amendment doesn't apply from a legal matter. The question is a cultural one. The cultural one that you're raising, which is, is that behavior that we think is right? Is it behavior that we should be questioning? I, I don't know enough about the facts to know whether or not yeah. Lorne Michaels was right to distance himself from that comedian. It's kind I, of I think bizarre. he certainly had the right to do it. But I think that we need to, especially with comedy, mm -hmm. where you want people to have the freedom to offend, to have longer leashes. Well, let's, uh, that is, a, a, a again, another sore spot with me. And, you, you know, and I'll say it again. I am a purist when it comes to free speech. Having run comedy clubs, having performed stand-up comedy, doing bits on this show from time to time that may be offensive to people. And we have, I don't know if you've seen it, but at the bottom of this, our screen here, that's been running consistently. That's a disclaimer. And, and I have to legally do that. So that people know it's there. And anything that I say or do, I'm protected. By the way, our attorneys drew that up. But here's the, the interesting thing. And I just, I shake my head when I think about it. Even among the Jewish population, there's this bickering and bantering back and forth. A Jewish comedian doing a routine in front of a largely Jewish crowd gets laughs all night, yet that same routine is egregiously, quote-unquote, egregiously offensive to Lorne Michaels, who happens to be a Jew. Yeah, I mean... How? I, how? I mean, everyone draws their own personal lines, and there isn't one magic answer for whether something is actually offensive Mm -hmm. or isn't offensive, but that's why we don't allow when there's intersections with the government for the government to engage in that kind of line drawing and, you know, and engage in punishments for what's pure viewpoint. Yeah. Uh, and, but why we do allow uh, private entities by and large to make those individual judgment calls for better or for worse. And, Again, it could be entirely right that that Lorne Michaels was uh, being too short-sighted when he made that decision and being unprincipled. Um, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why you have the right to, to make that criticism and he can defend himself from that yeah. allegation if he wants. You know, yeah. the First Amendment isn't absolute, but the exceptions are extremely narrow and they need to stay narrow for it to be meaningful. You can't have exceptions that that swallow yeah. the rule. So you, you can't engage in defamation if it's properly defined. Yeah. Uh, harassment uh, isn't protected if it's defined, you know, carefully to reflect, you know, what the case law, you know, has said about it. You can't yeah. engage in what's called true threats, which are designed to be separate from hyperbolic statements that people might make about how they want mm -hmm. to just kill someone, you know, for, you know, when there really isn't, you know, that kind of intent to put yeah. people in, you know, reasonable fear. You know why we, you know, no, why we don't protect uh, incitement when it's 
speech that would yeah. lead to predictably lead to imminent acts of of lawlessness. Uh, but we do allow mm -hmm. hyperbole in contexts that aren't likely to produce that result. And that's well, that argument was actually made by Jimmy Hoffa when speaking to Robert Kennedy um, in 19, I believe, 1962, 63, somewhere around there. Um, he said, the Kennedy says to Mr. Hoffa, uh, um, you said the, to uh, such and such person X, uh, I'm going to break their legs. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to break their back. Oh, whose back were you going to break, Mr. Hoffa? And Jimmy Hoffa responded with, it's just a figure of speech. Just a figure of speech. And, and it requires us to try to sort out hyperbole from true threats, and that's why... Yeah. That's why the Supreme Court has set that exception very narrowly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you hear all the time people say that it isn't absolute to justify any censorship that they ever want to get away with. Yeah. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, very fortunate for us, not supported in the case law. Uh, but, uh, you know, the key here is consistency and mm -hmm. narrowness of the exceptions because Let's it's so easy to only care about censorship when it's your adversary censoring the views that we like. And let's take a look right there. They were not there yet. Thank so, you so much. This is part two of our student rights at school series. We're going to talk more about your rights to freedom of speech and expression under the First Amendment. If you attend public school, you generally have the same free speech rights as anyone else when it comes to what you say, write, wear, or otherwise express yourself. But there are limits because of the importance of maintaining an orderly learning environment. Your school can prohibit speech that's disruptive or interferes with the rights of others. For example, your speech or expression might be something that's normally okay, but if it interferes with your classmates' right to an education, you probably can't do it. Schools can also limit speech that's vulgar or offensive. And the Supreme Court has even ruled in some situations, schools can limit speech they find to be inappropriate. Can I wear my free young thug shirt to school to protest his arrest? It depends. You should ask yourself, am I wearing it in a quiet, passive way? Does it impact the rights of other students or disrupt school? Does it show anything vulgar, offensive, or otherwise inappropriate? I think it's protected speech. Then rock it. You can learn more at finelaw.com. And check out part three next week when we talk about students' rights to privacy at school. Elon was on Bill Meyer, and he dropped a free speech truth bomb. Watch. We must protect free speech. Um, and free speech only matters. It's only relevant when it's someone you don't like saying something you don't like. Because obviously, <laughs> speech that you like is uh, yes. you know, that's easy. Um, so it, it's, uh, and it's, the thing about censorship is that, sure, for, for those who would advocate it, um, just remember, at some point, that will be turned on you. Why should your right to freedom of speech trump a trans person's right not to be offended? Because in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. I mean, look at the conversation we're having right now. You know, like you're certainly willing to risk offending me in the pursuit of truth. Why should you have the right to do that? It's been rather uncomfortable. Well, I'm, I'm very glad I put you on the spot. <laughs> Well, I'm you get my, but, but you get my point. You get my point. It's like you're you're doing what you should do, which is digging a bit to see what the hell's going on, so and that you, is what you should do. But uh, you're exercising you your freedom of speech to certainly risk offending me, and that's fine. 
I think more power to you as far as I'm concerned. So you haven't sat there and... I'm just trying, I'm just trying to work that out. I mean... Ha, gotcha. You have got me. You have got me. I'm trying to work that through in my head. Yeah, yeah, it took a while. It took a while. And that was the gotcha. And he got her. What he did so brilliantly, Joe, was he diffused the situation by throwing her truth right back at her. How brilliant was that? I mean, it's an important example of why being principled matters and why thinking through what we are doing matters as well. Absolutely. And, you know, censorship is going to continue to be popular. And it was funny listening to that. Can I ask you a question? You you made an amazing point just now. And I I can't let I can't let this go. I have to I got to throw my two cents in here. Censorship is going to be around. Why the need for it? Why even the need to censor anything or anybody? Don't we do enough of a job of censoring ourselves? I think people generally, as a a rule, as a whole, I believe, people do a pretty good job of of censoring themselves as a community. Do we really need a governmental agency telling us, you know, you can't do this or you can't watch that or blah, 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 or whatever the case may be? Is it really necessary? We definitely don't need a power on high deciding what people can say, what people can't. Uh, now, do I agree with you that people are good at self-censoring? No, absolutely not. I, I believe say, they are. I really ask nine things all of the time, but that is part of that's part of freedom. And, and I think the broader point you're trying to make is that we as a society have the ability to make our own individual judgments. And, absolutely. And, and, it, and by and large, it sorts itself out now. You know, mm-hmm. I said earlier a little while ago that the First Amendment is an absolute. That's right. true. We don't allow people to engage in consumer fraud because they use words to part people with their money, yeah. et cetera. There are reasons true. why there are some, again, very narrow exceptions. But if the speech doesn't fall within a narrow exception to the First yeah. Amendment, our base instinct should be to allow more speech and to allow that process that you were describing of individuals reaching their own conclusions. Yeah. Because that's a far better society to live in. It's one where we can change how we behave. It's important to keep in mind, and people lose track of this a lot, but every advancement in civil rights, every single one of them, without exception, we have gained in an environment with free expression. We would not have had a successful civil rights movement, LGBT movement, women's suffrage movement, you name it, without the ability to criticize the government and each other. And, you know, we like to imagine that, you know, for example, women's suffrage was won politely by people discussing over tea, you know, what you know, whether it was fair or unfair, that only one sex could vote. But the truth of the matter is it was much more contentious than that. There were debates, there were arguments, there were marches. Mm -hmm. Some of the suffragettes probably showed their ankles, you know, to show that it was just 
not okay yeah. for the norms of the day to keep them on the sidelines. Absolutely. It, it's that kind of tenacity and ability to challenge the norms that can only happen in a world where the government can't jail you, where they can't take away your livelihood because yeah. you speak your mind. On that note, Joe Cohn, we will be back after this, our final break of the night. This this may offend somebody. I'm sure it will. Watch this. Do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls? It's time to make them ready balls. TheManscape.com lawnmower 3.0 will do the job and clean your knob with its patented no-nick head. So your head will function as desired. Enter promo code WrestlingFuture for a generous 20% discount. That's enter WrestlingFuture for a 20% discount. Manscaped.com and Wrestling with the Future going balls to the walls with Manscaped.com and the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. And so will we. For the record, I produced, wrote, and performed that commercial. <laughs> I am well, Angelo Mad Dog Decipio. We are back with Joe Cohn. By the way, my producer, Amelia, bless your heart, Amelia. I know you're home in Florida with this horrible weather down there. She said, I think his name is pronounced Cone, like ice cream cone. I said, okay, but I think it's Con. And Joe... He, he's we have a little chat here and Joe says it the uh, cone. So thank you, Joe, for correcting me. Oh, Amelia, you're right. I owe you five bucks. Um, we are going to take one final look at some video compelling video. This Joe, before we do for a moment, I just want to point out. Yes, sir. You, sure. Angelo, that I am not offended by the fact that my, oh, name was by my commercial. Okay. <laughs> no, by the fact that my name was mispronounced. Oh, the oh thank you. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, cause I actually know somebody named Khan that spells it C-O-H-N. So, I guess there's a couple. It's like, it's like, you know, read or read. You know, it's R-E-A-D. You yep. can do it with, both ways. Let's take a look at um, a woman that's never been shy about speaking her mind. This is somebody I have, and I never really liked her much, but I have a newfound respect for Roseanne Barr. Embracing who I am in my politics. Mm-hmm. which is comedy, mm-hmm. uh, because it is the last free speech art form. And it was me going, they're not going to have the last word about me. Mm-hmm. And I will have not only the last word, but I'll have the last laugh too. And I do believe that I did. And I made a joke to level all of their crap. <laughs> I got jokes about the vaccine, the, va- the forced vax. I got jokes about the left, left. You know, three of my daughters are very liberal. And I just, I've lived it. I've lived their stuff that they think that I can barely contain myself with their stuff. Their privilege. I raised privileged children. I didn't grow up privileged, but my children did because of what I went through. And my whole generation, we've raised privileged kids who don't have nothing to do with reality. So I kind of break them back down to reality. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? What's your gender for? Get a job. They don't think nothing about reality, and they've been bred to do it by, you know, our media and 
are politicians that are bought and paid for by lobbyists. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wait a minute, let's get real, real. I always said that when I was mm. a comic. Let's get real. So I got real, real with all of it. And it's like, forget your privilege just for a minute and look at what's around you. Look what's in front of your face. Right. And people have lost that ability to look at what's right in front of their face. So I brought it. I'm not going to whip. Oh, she brought it all right, big time. And she is on a crusade to restore free speech to comedy. So has uh, podcaster extraordinaire Joe Rogan. Um, I want to talk to you about what he's done, Joe. Joe Rogan uh, has, because of, of his background in comedy and you know, MMA, because uh, Joe is a stand-up comedian, and that's how he makes his living. But Joe um, decided, you know what? We're going to fight back. I'm going to take the millions of dollars and billions of dollars that he's making on his podcast, and he's opening up a national chain of anti-cancel comedy clubs. So we're going to talk a little bit, you and I, about the final word. Oh, I love that cat. Hello there, Kenny. Uh, yep, thank Beautiful. you. Um, I, I, he's going to join us for a little bit. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? My co-host, my former co-host, had a cat that used to crawl or like clockwork, would crawl across his shoulders at the end of every show. It's like clockwork. Like the cat knew it was to, you know, cue the cat. Yeah, he is on the other side of the laptop with his fluff covering the camera. So sorry. About yeah, that. That's fine. That's, that's all good. Yeah. Listen, this is live. It's, uh, you know, it's all good. Uh, so talk to me about your thoughts um, with respect to free speech that comedians do or do not have. Uh, isn't that, like Roseanne said, the one art form that should be absolutely un uninhibited, unobstructed by censorship? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, in 2015, my office produced a documentary called Can We Take a Joke? And it catalogs growing pressure on comedians to avoid edgy, cutting-edge jo jokes that mm -hmm. might offend people. And why we're way worse off as a society when we can't laugh about ourselves. Yeah. When you can't approach the difficult conversations with laughter. Horrible. So, I ran comedy clubs, Joe, not to interrupt you, but it, it's really important. This is really, really critical. I ran comedy clubs in the 80s. By the end of the 80s, early 90s, Jerry Falwell was running around cr closing everything he could get his grubby little greasy hands on. And I, I, I hate television preachers. I'm not big on religion anyway. Um, you know, I, I love God, but I'm not big on religion. But here's what I've got to say about this. When Jerry Falwell opened his mouth and went on that crusade, every stand-up comedy club, almost without exception, went under and died a slow, cruel, harsh death because of the words, the words of one man. But apparently he had the freedom to speak his mind, but nobody else could. What the fuck is wrong with this? I have a problem with that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're in a lot of agreement on, on, on this. 
you know, comedy is one of the important outlets for society to mm -hmm. be introspective and to kind of think through yeah. how we are behaving with the critical eye. And for comedy to work, comedians need to be able to push the envelope when they're walking on eggshells. They don't do that. That's yeah. not to say that I will find every joke funny or you will find every joke funny. Some right. of them won't, won't land. Uh, but I don't want a world in which the next generation of comedians needs to try to guess what humor will end their careers. Yeah. I want them to try their best to do one and one thing alone to make me laugh. Absolutely. And that is one hell of a segue, Joe. You are the man. Thank you so much. That was enlightening, informative. It validated much of what I believe. And you are a welcome guest here anytime. I'm sure you'll be back. This is, I'll consider this, let's, let's call this, Joe, part one. Let's that call this good to part me. one. Angelo, thank you so much for having me and for all of your listeners who want to check out our work at fire yeah, tell everybody where they can reach you uh, tell everyone uh fire's website by the way let me just tell everyone that fire is the foundation for individual rights and expression joe is the uh, legislative and policy director uh, of that organization he's the guy um he's the guy if if you're a media person you're you want to talk to joe he will set you straight um and I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to have him back on the show again. That's, that's well, just it. Amelia, if I, you're watching, he's coming back. Well, thank you so much. My colleagues and I work very hard to make sure that we defend free speech in a principled way. Yes. We were founded in 1999 by, uh, you know, a conservative faculty member and a progressive lawyer yes. under the theory that free speech either works for everyone or it works for no one. And we've behaved Absolutely. that way since our founding. And it was only last year that we expanded our mission from from defending Amazing. free speech on college campuses to defending free speech for everyone in the United States. We're proud of that work. We could use your support. Uh, join. You our have my support. Join you have my absolute uh, unobstructed, unadulterated support. Anytime we can do for you, you let me know. I will put it out there. By the way, shout out to Sophia. Uh, Lopez, I want to say Lopez, is that right? Sophia yes. Lopez, who is Joe's go-to gal. You, you're the best lady. I love you. I owe you lunch or dinner. She's, I'm gonna send really, you she's really wonderful and really helps me stay organized. You can find us at yes. www.thefire.org to check us out, learn more about what we're doing. I promise you, we have defended speech that you like. We've defended speech that you don't like. That's the only way it works. Absolutely. And uh, oh, Amelia, she <laughs> listen to this. She's here. And I'm watching, and he has my support as well. There you go. You got that from Amelia. Thank She's you, my Amelia. producer and my co host. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. We got a couple of amazing weeks coming up, folks. I have television actor. You remember him from Family Affair, Johnny Whitaker. Yep, he played Jody on Family Affair. He'll be with us. Coming up in June, I've got, oh, my goodness, who the heck? I got a lot of people coming up. Holy shit. 
I've got movie actor, television film actor Eddie Deason coming up in the next couple of weeks. Oh, we've got Amelia. I, I need you here. Who else we got? She got the schedule. <laughs> She's got the schedule. I forgot who the hell's coming up. Anyway, we got a lot of people coming up. Oh, we're going back to CERN. What's really happening at CERN? Is the Mandela effect real? And are we just a glitch in the matrix? This and more coming up on America's Popcast. What's the buzz for Joe Cohn? I'm the Mad Dog. Let's see you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.